0: Hello, hello, Jamal Thomas here, and this week on the Black on Black Education podcast, I am excited to introduce the very brilliant Dr. Nikki Joseph. She and I have had countless conversations in the past on the various different changes that need to occur to our education system. She's one of the brightest minds in the space that I've ever had the opportunity to talk to. And this week, it wasn't me talking to her, it was my very brilliant daughter, Eva Jean Charles. They had such an intelligent convo. I was was so impressed by it. Had a smile on my face the whole time. They talked about social and emotional learning. They talked about the details and uh, gave a better understanding of what special ed is for. Uh, They talked about a unique concept called brave spaces and so much more. So I think you're going to enjoy the conversation as much as I did. And welcome to the Black on Black Education podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast. So, our guest is going to tell you who she is. Come on, let them know who we're talking to.
1: Hello, (laughs) my name is Nikki Josephs.
0: And tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, I'm an educator. I um, teach at Manhattanville College in Purchase, New York. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. And so, can we... I want to just start by telling the listeners a little bit what your educational experience has been like.
1: Um... Does that include my credentials? Should I start there? Absolutely. So I earned my PhD in special education from the uh, from Georgia State University in Atlanta. My focus um, for my doctorate was in the field of special education, specifically with addressing the needs of youth who are um, incarcerated or adjudicated. Um, my doctoral work was focused on how do I improve the reading skills of adolescent struggling readers, especially those of color <clears throat> in alternative settings. But other than that, I'm also a certified teacher in New York state in the area of social studies and special education. Um, yeah. What else do you want to know? Yeah. That's, I mean, incredible. And
0: in terms of your early childhood education, like kind of, can you tell us a little bit about what that's been like for you and kind of how you've gotten into the education field and if that experience um, had anything to do with why you decided to become an educator
1: um I don't know when you say early, how far back do you want to go?
0: Ah, let's start high school maybe
1: uh, I think so I, my friends I think my friends and family would say that I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. Mm. I thought I wanted to be an attorney and I wanted to um, I knew I wanted to do something in education. The plan was I be an attorney in some kind of educational law and advocate for Students who were like me, who I felt were just, I don't know. We were left out, underserved, weren't and being pushed enough in high school. Um, but I think surprisingly, there was a new teacher. Oh, God, I don't know if he's going to hear this. Um, at the <laughs> high school, and I think it was about 10th or 11th grade. And he had a hard time. He wasn't from the area. And he had a hard time acclimating to the school. And our different cultural kind of, my, my high school years, we were... I don't know anyway he wanted something else and we weren't doing we weren't complying i'll say it that way and um i think he he found that i was a, a leader in the classroom and i would come to his his room on my lunch or my study hall and i would do like management for him i would be like an aide right like unassigned, but an aide in his classroom and at that point, I think I started to, the bug of teaching started mm-hmm. in high school for me, but still I was like, I'm going to do criminal justice. I knew what I wanted to do with my life. But I think that was the beginning of that bug was high school. But um, the the big change occurred. I was at Clark Atlanta University. It was my freshman year as a criminal justice major. And they place you in, this is bring back memories, they place <laughs> you in a community service project for your freshman year. <clears throat> My placement was at the Fulton County Juvenile Facility for Boys. I think that was the mm-hmm. name of it, right in downtown Atlanta. My job was to go there twice a week and tutor them in math. Now, I don't know how math and <laughs> room justice match, but, you know, I was assigned to go. And so I, I would go. And a few weeks in, I realized I'm sitting across the table from these young men. And I'm talking about 11, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And I had these math worksheets. And it w- there was some resistance. Like, I'm like, okay, so let's start the work now, right? And they would stare at this thing. Now, first, it was the acclamation of having a student, a young girl coming in to the facility. I know that was one of it. And it was, this had bars and everything, right? This was a facility. Mm-hmm. Then there was the you talk funny conversation between me and them, right? Because I'm from New York and I was young. But then a couple of weeks in, I'm realizing that. There was something else happening, and so I remember asking one of the young men, "Do you know what to do?" And he shook his head. Like, mm. no. I was like, "All right, so let's read the directions." And he looked down, mm. and then I asked him, "Can you read the directions?" And he said, "No." Bam. And so at that point, I'm going, "Okay, so we're gonna I'm gonna teach them now how to read." I guess right, and I didn't know how to teach somebody how to read. But <laughs> that's how it started, and by the end of that semester, I was like. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a teacher. So that, like that, that bug I had in high school just switched this right just, back on. It went from I remember telling my parents I'm not staying down here. <laughs> I, want to, I want to come home. I originally got accepted to Albany, and Albany was a good teaching mm-hmm. program. And so I was like, I want to come home and I want to teach. And that was it. Yeah,
0: my my experience is pretty much the same. Like, I mean, it took a little longer, but I got an internship. Three weeks in, I was like, yep, this is it for mm-hmm. me. And I changed everything after that. So uh, it sounds like that's kind of just what happens yeah, when you realize easy, you easy, want easy, to be a it's teacher. Real. Yeah. <laughs> if,
1: it's, if it's for real, it is real. It'll change your life. It really will.
0: And so um, moving into your expertise, why special education? Um,
1: it, oh, wow. I don't, I don't... It's a passion. Mm-hmm. I have always been attracted to the light bulb in those who find it more difficult to Uh. get there i guess it would be the like the that's the passion Mm -hmm. um or i don't even know if it's a if it's a passion i'll just be real like earlier in our conversation i told you that there's this there's a trigger it's it's a let me move you let me try to help you move into this next phase however way I can. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I typically try to hone in on those who I see it's more difficult for you to do it. Um, I don't know if it, I, I, I didn't have a special learning need or a difference in school, though I know I was one of those that wasn't as easily motivated if I wasn't interested, right? I don't know what you're talking about, therefore I don't care, therefore I'm turning off, therefore.
0: So like you and everybody
1: else. <laughs> Pretty much, Right. <laughs> Um, and 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 well, and it, I guess it was a little different also because it's when we were in school, there was still that kind of tracking, right? Mm-hmm. There was the, the folks who went to high and wide, the gifted group who it didn't matter if it was easy or not, it didn't matter you got ease, so you're gifted. Yeah, was how it was. And then there's those of us in the middle who was like just on the conveyor belt, and teachers would say, I just really wish you'd try harder. Oh, yes, said, it was my fault that oh, you yes. weren't catching me. And then there were those on the other end that. For whatever reason, the difference was there. The the other, the the pieces that we talked about in terms of it could have been hungry, it could have been I'm stressed out at home, it could have been whenever. So we weren't grabbing them. For some reason, I found because I was in the middle, maybe as a student, I found I could identify with those who came easy. Got it. Those who struggle, but I can help you. And it just, I don't know. I, I kind of went in that direction. Um, in special ed gave me a toolbox as an educator that I didn't even know that I needed Mm. that, right? When I, um, at the time in the late 90s in New York State, when you get your teaching certification, it was the beginning of the highly qualified teacher um, criteria that came out of No Child Left Behind. Mm -hmm. And so those of us going to school for education, we were told you will get a master's degree. And at that time it was like reading or special ed.
0: Mm. Those were like
1: your choices. I, I, I'm sure there were others, but this is where we were funneled much like education. You funneled most people went into reading. I don't do what most people do, so I did special. It was just, <laughs> you didn't even, yeah, those. it wasn't like I was like, I want to do it. It was just kind of like everybody went reading, I'm gonna go over here, yeah, and we find out what's going on over here. And then I found that my teaching got better because I was coming back with these strategies and tools that other teachers were like, Where'd you learn that? I'm like, oh, I learned that in my class, yeah, not realizing. As an inclusive teacher, it was great to have it, but it was a toolbox of strategies that I was like, everybody should have this. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I was also connecting with students in a way that I probably might not have before. Got it. And so I think that's the why. Got it. I don't know if that was the why. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, all right. So I've had the conversation often about what special ed even means. So uh, we spoke before this that my siblings, they're both in special education classes. They have ADHD. It's very... So one of them is she'll get an A on everything. Sure. She understands everything. It's behavioral and that's why she's in special ed. My brother, he's... I don't want to say developmentally delayed, but he has trouble grasping the information. Sure. He has a lot of trouble memorizing the information. He has a lot of trouble um, engaging with the information if he doesn't care. Sure. Now, if he decide like one week, he's going to be a real estate agent and he will pull everything off the internet and everything that he knows that he will know everything and be able to tell it back to me. No problem. When you put him into math class, he does not care. He doesn't want to do it. And so that put him into special education. Um, what? is special education, because there are a lot of people, I feel like they don't know what it is, mm-hmm. or there's one person in special ed because they have a severe developmental issue, and there's another person in special ed because they have behavioral issues. Can you kind of explain what special ed is is and kind of dispel some of the myths about what it means to be in a special education class?
1: Sure. All right, so we're going to start a little bit <clears throat> with the language. Okay. So the term special education, bare bones, is... Um, specialized instruction tailor-made to meet the individual needs of a student right um an individual will or may qualify for services special mm-hmm. education services if their learning difference or behavioral need negatively impacts their educational performance got it so that's like bare bones in a nutshell of course is a ton of other <laughs> um but that's like the term right so the This um, idea of providing thinking about education differently for an individual who may need not only remediation, right, an extra that extra thinking about what basic skills I may need to refresh or, or stay on for a while but at the same time I'm thinking about those students who are gifted and or talented got it who also need that enrichment so it's tailored mm-hmm. so some of the myths are well one of the main myths is especially first of all special education is a, is a one place that's a myth I find <laughs> right it's like we're, it's a class it's the building and it's like okay no it's a group of services got it right um, it's a process and it's education right it's a process um and another one is that it is it is for people who are slower got it so even though even in my foundation class even my teachers i find people go well you know these i'm gonna my special education students and i'm like that is not that's not correct (laughs) first of all there's an idea of person first language where it's the person receiving special education services but more importantly it's like for what I can receive um, services because of a visual impairment. Got it. I can receive services because of an orthopedic impairment. I can receive services because I have a behavioral need. And as you mentioned, because I have an academic enrichment need, right? And so all of that is in the field.
0: Got it. Got it. And that, no, that's super helpful because... I think even within schools, they don't do a very great job oftentimes explaining that to other students because that's a part of the experience of being someone in a special education class. You, my experience with my siblings is it's embarrassment. So my brother, I've oftentimes heard him call himself stupid or dumb or slow or all these different things because the other people in the school think that because he needs the extra time or because he needs, um, those special, um, Accommodation accommodation so that he can be on the same level or different level than the the other kids in his school. And so I think that even the framing that you just made is so helpful in better understanding uh, special ed because too often people have a very, very wrong idea of what special education is and what it's for. Um, so kind of moving into the next question, like as an educator in the realm of higher education, so a lot of the people that we've had on the podcast so far have been more K through 12. Sure. And that's been where kind of they, that's their expertise, um, being in the realm of education and teaching teachers how to be teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, what is being talked about in terms of bettering the education system?
1: Oh, wow. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, oh, well, let's drill in on that. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's kind of focus in, like, give me a particular something that you want us to focus in on in terms yeah. of bettering, for instance. Yeah,
0: so our world is changing. Correct. That, uh, te- technologically, all these different things, the world is changing. So we're hearing everybody talk about STEM and we need STEAM and we need these things implemented and we got to get our, we got to be ready to fight with China. Uh, i i think there's enough people having that conversation so kind of on the other side of that of like emotionally enriching students getting students to kind of understand their purpose getting students to um rise to expectations that if you give them them high expectations more times than not students are able to to come up to there so where are we in terms of teaching the next generation of teachers the importance of that aspect of being an educator
1: in my experience i um Whew, that's a <laughs> loaded question. In my experience, because right, I, I'm at a particular institution that does teacher preparation, so therefore, um, I can only speak from what it is that I'm doing right right now. But, of course. Okay. So, in my experience and what we're doing, um, because my particular college has professional development schools, meaning memorandums of agreements with 16 local schools in which we provide or have relationships, right? So, it's reciprocal. We are, are well informed with this idea of thinking about the social emotional learning of our K through twelve students. Therefore, we at the college are thinking about how do we infuse that in our teaching. Mm-hmm.
0: And for people who don't know, social emotional education—kind of just like small tidbit of like what that is and what it means. I'm um,
1: thinking about not only character education, but thinking about. Um, well, it, it all right. So, break <laughs> right? because again, it's very, it's a big thing. It's big. Um, <laughs> but thinking about how we individuals how we can how gosh how in because it's huge Mm -hmm. how we can um think be or support individuals and individual needs right so how do I take into account how you are feeling right now as we do this podcast in comfort in um, being able to connect with your own emotional well-being, mm-hmm. in order for me to then go, okay, so now's a good time for me to impart this or have this conversation with you or move forward. Got it. Right. It, there. There is um, education in this country hasn't necessarily lent itself to thinking about an individual first. Which is ironic that we're talking about this right after we talk about special education. Mm -hmm. Because again, we are trying to change a system or the way we think of education Mm -hmm. in this country in a way that it's like there's an individual in front of you. Um, And so the social emotional learning piece, and it's not just social emotional learning of the K-12 students. It's thinking about pre-K-12 students. It's thinking about the teachers also. Have I checked in to know Mm. how I am, where I am? So that when I walk into that space where I'm supposed to impart or or even mediate information or be a manager of a classroom, depending on what it is that you have in your room, in your building, have I been able to do that to regulate how I uh. am where I am so that I can do my job better so that we can have this this interaction together. Awesome. Um, and so we we, we are we're slower where I am in terms <laughs> of thinking about this. I mean, I'll just be honest, yeah. right? Because there are a lot of things coming down the pike in higher ed and in teacher preparation, and there are a lot of cycles. Got it. Um, but I think something like social-emotional learning might be a piece that I'm hoping stays with us for a long time isn't something that's, oh, this is the new phase. Got it. So that we're all thinking about our thinking, our mindfulness, Our our self person first, Mm -hmm. right? That makes any sense. And then, how can can we be better educators in the field? That was a lot.
0: Yeah, but I think, like we said, this conversation is a lot. And so, and like the idea of changing the education system is a lot. So, I think a lot of the conversations that I've had thus far on the podcast, and including this one, it's just, it's oftentimes very dense. Because there's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, But I think bringing that idea into it is so important. And I wrote something on the Black on Black Education blog about my experience in education. Like, I cannot say I went to a school that was underfunded or that I didn't have teachers who cared. or I I can't say that because it's just untrue. Mm -hmm. My high school, everything that I needed, track team, sports, Mm -hmm. uh, computer labs, tutoring, everything that I needed was there for free, available to me. And um, I spoke about one of my teachers, uh, Joe Ferraro, and he was incredible for me. Like we and in- he out of any professor any teacher that I had with in high school or K through 12 really he we understood each other we had a great kind of back and forth he brought great things out of me I I think that I helped kind of bring understanding to him about a lot of different things and we still have a relationship now and I've been out of school I've been out of high school for almost four, almost 4 years yeah. and so but I also wrote about the fact that I had almost no black teachers in my school sure. there were one who was a gym teacher and I want to say there was another one, and then the vice principal that came, he was black, but like I very sure. often didn't often sure. interact with him. Sure. So kind of not saying that you have to have a black teacher to have that experience, but I was going to school during the Trump election. Like I was going, sure. I was in high school sure. at a time where where George Zimmerman got off for Trayvon Martin. Sure. I was at school at a time, and nobody the only thing that us black students got was Kwanzaa. like you know right. you know what i mean I do. <laughs> and so I do. and so bringing in mm. that social emotional piece and understanding that that's important it also has to understand that like there has to be a space for students who don't look like the majority sure. to feel safe yeah. and we, ver- we we just didn't no miss lejeune she 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 tried yeah. she yeah. had Whitney M Young and sure. she tried to sure. but it there wasn't really that formative space for people or within the classroom and with interactions with your teachers to kind of come into that understanding.
1: So wait, so let's, let's stay on that for a second if mm-hmm. we can. Of because course. You t- you did, uh, I don't know who is who else is doing this kinds of thing, but as a person who, I am the only full-time faculty member of color in my school of education. Of color. That's of color. insane um and so well, not insane actually it, yeah. which is unfortunate it is, it, is, it is a special thing going on 2020 mm-hmm. um and i think that i try to in in having the in answering your question about like what what's coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. though it's not coming down the pike Because I was one of the the students who um, I didn't have a similar experience that you referred to in high school, because even though I went right across the way from your high school, Mm -hmm. um, it was a very very diverse faculty, staff, student body. However, um, I find that my the teacher candidates that come through aren't as diverse. Mm. And so I want to and knowing they're going to be the teachers in these neighborhood schools, I try to Mm. have dialogue put us in spaces where we are a little uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in class because I have heard often from my colleagues how uncomfortable they are Mm -hmm. talking about race, talking about difference. I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about. This is the type of thing that I'm hearing from my colleagues, which means if we're not talking about it in teacher prep, that means we're making it very basic. Here's content, right? Here's your classroom management strategies. Here's your... But as a person who is dealing with um, or in the field of, as we talked about, special education, mm-hmm. um, the disproportionality is real, right? The biases are real. I have I have tried to make it part of my life's work, as you and I talked about before we pressed record, and mm-hmm. thinking about what are the small steps you can do to have real, we call them close the door. We're closing the door in Dr. Jane's class. Real close the door moment in which we we get uncomfortable and have what we what I try to create a brave space got it so that we can we can talk mm-hmm. because often I'm the very the, probably the only one in the room who's of color or such mm-hmm. and I want them to be like okay so let's talk yeah because now I'm I'm the minority in the room right now and that's okay and I realize there's an authority piece as well but oh, of course let's have some let's open the door yeah and you can have conversations amongst yourselves because sometimes that's what the conversation has to happen. Yeah. It often is like we're doing now, people of color talking to people, women talking to women, that kind of thing. <laughs> but I need the conversation to happen within the structures of the, the folks who are not the minoritized groups. Absolutely. In which they can then have some of those, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? Absolutely. So that we, especially educators... So that we can come to terms with some of the things we may not even notice that we carry or unpack. Absolutely. Um, case in point, I have um, I have invited some of my colleagues to, to join me in diversity training at the college. Um, it's totally voluntary. I have someone coming in to do training with us. Mm-hmm. And we had an exercise recently where the trainer, a facilitator, asked us to... Um, to, I don't want to use the word make an assumption, but essentially make an assumption of the person who paired us up. Make an insu- not an assumption, but say something about Eva based on her external, and yep. then maybe make a guess based on that. And I told you I'm the only person of color, so. The, my partner mentioned that um, she likes hip-hop music, and I said me made the assumption that I did as well. Like, do you like that? And I was like, no, it's not really my first thing. Maybe R&B, maybe jazz, mm-hmm. maybe gospel. I mean, I wasn't going to be hip hop. Especially <laughs> nowadays, like, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about hip hop. I think you're talking about something different. But uh, we, we had a conversation because she has, you know, young daughters and that type of thing, that she thought it was a connection. Mm-hmm. And then we had to kind of unpack that a bit. Absolutely. And it was like, I'm happy that you said that because I'm going to feel like this is a brave space. But had you not, you would have had that idea. That this Nikki is whatever it is you're thinking I am, mm-hmm. and when I said what I said, you were like, I, I didn't think that you would have liked whatever jazz yeah. first or R and B first, and I was like, I mean, what's wrong with low culture, you know, whatever. But you didn't have that idea of me. You thought, oh, she's young, she must like hip hop. Let me connect in this way. And how often do we do that?
0: Absolutely, it's the. I mean, it's human nature. So like before I started going into education. I was a psychology major. And it's human nature to make stereotypes and to and to adhere and to stereotypes. And correct. too often, because we don't talk about implicit bias, because sure. we don't talk about the way that we've been socialized sure. and how that affects our way of thinking, sure. our brains are not our own.
1: No, they,
0: It's impossible it's, for your brain correct. and your thoughts to be your own. Correct. We are social creatures that interact with other people, and everything that we think comes from something we've been exposed to sure. and how we decided to interact with it. Sure. And so... Because we don't talk about that mm. often enough, mm. people are allowed to act off their their assumptions mm-hmm. and and continue an idea of who you are and what you are and who you can be based sure. off of what they've seen. Sure. And so, sorry, I interrupted. No, no, that, that is what it is, right? <laughs> that is,
1: and there are there are. Um, I'm a huge proponent of like community schools, community like being where you live, where you work, so that you're a part of
0: what this is.
1: And um, oft, often, teachers go into an area, you work in an area, and then you go home someplace else. Absolutely. And in that home, for those people who may not be of color, whatever the color or difference we, we can put in that box, mm-hmm. um, your experiences are just like you talked about, right? What you know and what you've experienced right here. But imagine if you lived amongst people who were different, how that experience, those learned experiences would be. And so, therefore, it kind of, it it trips me up often that I have to have these conversations with educators, but I have to remind myself that I live in a place where we are segregated in that way, Mm -hmm. whether we want to or not. And so, there are a lot of hurdles that we have to get through when we're talking about education. Absolutely. How we think about education, how we educate, who we educate, Mm -hmm. um, and so we can continue.
0: Yeah. And, like, just to kind of, like, go off for one second... when you were talking about brave spaces, I loved that terminology because I'm uncomfortable by the idea of space, safe spaces. It irritates me. Mm-hmm. Not a popular opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Safe spaces, it's you want to make everyone feel feel comfortable. Sure. Feeling comfortable is what got us here. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like part of being comfortable, we wouldn't have got we wouldn't have gotten to the moon. We, won't ha- we wouldn't have iPhones. Sure. We wouldn't have all of this technology sitting in front of us right sure. now if people didn't force themselves to be uncomfortable. Right. It's okay in that aspect, but it's not okay when it comes to race and the conversation right. about yeah. it and yeah. gender so and all right. these different things that we are now and my generation and, the, and millennials and people are just saying like, no, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. We want to have this conversation. Sure. And I think our current political climate puts us in a place where places to have those conversations are not always readily available. And so that's something that I want to do with Black on Black Education. I think when people hear the name, they often think, like, it's only for black people. Mm -hmm. No. We are tailoring our information and the people that we're having these conversations with to black people because we've said the term people of color very often. And this could be a whole nother podcast episode about the idea that, like, people of color and black people are two different entities. Yes black people are people of color doesn't mean that all people of color have the same hurdles to jump through all people of color have different situations that need to be addressed correct that's a whole nother tangent but i like i the idea of black on black education with nikki josephs having conversations um in brave spaces Mm -hmm is absolutely amazing we're going to talk about that after that okay <laughs> <laughs> um so kind of moving on um well we talked about a lot of this stuff so now i have to just kind of boop,
1: boop, no boop, it's okay boop.
0: um what parts of education curriculum need to be changed in order to better serve black students and like we were just talking about students of color So, like, if you want to kind of hone in on one or two things that you know that you discuss in your classes that oftentimes um, aren't talked about in terms of, like, we need to discuss how. So, an example, the way that we teach Christopher Columbus. How do we change that? Or the way that we start black history at slavery. Like, things like that um, that need to be adjusted so that, that black students and students of color are more readily seeing their heroes. Things like that.
1: Oh, because that's mm-hmm. a little different than the curricular part of the question. Because so I was like, wait, originally I'm thinking I don't want to change the. I mean, I do want to change the curriculum, mm-hmm. but I want to change how we teach and prepare people such that that we bring something else to the table mm-hmm. um, rather than having the curriculum lead how people educate. Because mm-hmm. that's a scary thought. The whole purpose of education is the process of learning the things, right, yeah. or the pro- that those experiences. And so, if I am putting something in front of a quote-unquote educator and saying, this is what I want you to teach, then I have therefore almost eliminated the whole process of education to begin with.
0: Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin had just that saying, conversation just saying, and it was right? so, so beautiful um, to listen like, to. I don't know, but you know, it's like throw the, whole, <laughs> I don't want to throw the whole thing out
1: the window. I do understand that we, we do need some kinds of standards. It, it is a, for, as a teacher who has um, taught in New York, Georgia, and Louisiana, I see how you do we do need some kind of um, standardization in, in terms of like what people know and, and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, however, going to the secondary part of what you asked, um, uh, I think it starts with the converse in this country cause we have to mm-hmm. we have to start with the conversations that we're still afraid to have
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it, there there isn't it very difficult to change curriculum as to your first part, right, of your question, Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people who are walking around who don't know what they don't know. Absolutely. Um, And there are so many of us that if we didn't ask questions about, well, why is 1619, no, not even, I won't go 1619, I'll just say 1776, the beginning of the country, right? And then we kind of like, as a social science teacher, then we like throw in that there were these Native Americans, Mm -hmm. these tribes, but like, that That's all you have. And that's like New York State history. And then you move forward. And then we just skip these swaths. <laughs> and then we do. We do. And then we kind of hit some things. And we, we, we mention, you know, Lyndon Johnson was so awesome. And he worked with Dr. Martin Luther King. And then, you know, that's all we know about civil rights is Martin Luther mm-hmm. King. And the dichotomy of King and... Oh, and next. Rosa Parks, obviously. And, and, oh, oh, right. Come on. Rosa Parks. <laughs> true. Or, and Ruby, and then, is it Ruby... If There's a Ruby, Ruby Bridges that oh everyone's reading, right, in elementary <laughs> school, and that's all, of, and then we move on. Um, and then we, it, it's a weird, it's weird. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about It's just weird. But I, I find that until we people, black people, white people, yellow people, we all start to have conversations about um, who we are and where we are, I think at that point we may start to think about, how we want to educate the the next generations, um, in terms of what information we want to pass down. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's really if that's as clear is. As, um, for some reason, and I'm going to bring out. Um, I read "Warmth of of Other Sons" last oh. summer, and forgive me that I don't remember the author's name. I've read quite a few books since then, but it's called "The Warmth of Other Sons," and it is a beautiful. Um, a piece of work that highlights the author's um, different members of her family who uh, migrated from well, in some of it I believe it was fictional. It's like a it's a um, historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, how some migrated from the south in different parts, of Louisiana. I believe a family came from Florida um, and went to uh, the west coast, and some went to Chicago. Some ended up in Harlem. But mm-hmm. it was stories of these people in the 50s 60s 70s not that long ago mm-hmm. I bring this up because that's that, that that work had me realize I have to stop going come on people it's 2020 already let's it made me go hold on it's only 2020 and that's why beautiful beautiful because right? so, my grandma
0: just walked out the door mm-hmm. like that's the reality correct like it's,
1: it's only 2020 mm-hmm. so there was a time when I've was growing up as if this that that history was then black people are okay now we can do these things and let's move on mm-hmm. because that seems to be the whole thing of American culture like we, it, oh we no no we only move let's on from move certain on. things
0: sure because because si- civil war reenactments are necessary Co- yes that is true <laughs> Columbus that Day is, is necessary that is true we move on from what we what well, they I mean, want to move is, on from. That is so <laughs> and, true. and just to add, uh, the, the Warmth of Other Suns is by Isabel Wickler. There Wickerson. There Isabel Wickerson. Yes, it is.
1: Mm-hmm. They, and I'm, I suggest everyone read that. I said if I open a school, that's going to be on our required reading list. Um, only because it helps me think about things in a different perspective. Please go ahead.
0: And I have a book upstairs that I'll give to you if you can make it happen mm-hmm. sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Homecoming. Very similar kind of idea or homegoing. Homegoing. Okay. And I can't remember the name of the author at the moment, but incredible story of two women who were sisters. One was sold into slavery. Sure. The other one became a princess in Africa. Okay. And so it follows the lineage. The lineage. And then the great, 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 grandchildren meet sure. at, at UCLA. Sure. And so it's just like, and it goes through the whole pattern of how these lives have changed Correct. and what the generations mean and how Correct. these two people who are family members and will probably never know it kind of come together in the end. It was absolutely see, those beautiful. Stories
1: but... are, those stories matter. And it's not, I mean, mm-hmm. we're just talking about black and black education right now, but that matters in that it helps to put a perspective, um, going back to coupling with the idea of the socialized thinking mm-hmm. right so uh, the 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 images that one may get growing up um 70s 80s 90s put black people in beautiful spaces but almost limiting spaces mm-hmm. so therefore I could identify with the fact that there was slavery in this country my people were subjugated and all and I can understand that I can identify with that but then it was like there's nothing else in between to explain what happened. Um, that really was meaningful and purposeful for who I was and who I am now Mm. Um, and I believe that in that identity piece I don't know if if I'm going to say I didn't get it from my parents my family Um, my, my half comes from Panama, didn't have the lived experience in this country. Mm -hmm. It's like, I came here and then I had you. So I don't know the Southern segregation kind of lived reality. I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or the, then I have another half. It's like, well, we were been in New York for the longest time. So again, didn't have that. But those were the images that it was like, you're supposed to feel this way because Mm -hmm. this is what you would, you went through your people. Mm -hmm. And it was like, but I, we don't have that. And so therefore, how do we move so that all of our experiences, um, our, the, the lives that we live currently, how do I help children, individuals, future teachers, teachers, educators, appreciate that that's the experience in which we're coming from.
0: There's a diaspora. It's not... I mean, yeah. And, and Marcus Garvey, I mean, I think he just kind of had it right in terms of the idea that like we have to look at it from a Pan-African ideology. Sure. And so I'm going to South Africa in January and I plan to interview some people there and kind sure. of have them on the podcast so that I can... Kind of look at it from another perspective because I can only look from Correct. the United States. Correct. This is where I live. This is where Correct. I've always lived. I can only look at it from that. From that and in northeastern United States. It's a Absolutely, totally different experience. very different experience. So, and so I can only ha- I can only look at things from that angle. I can only ask questions that I know to ask. Sure. And so I'm excited to kind of go into a space where I'm going to ask questions that I don't know to mm-hmm. ask because or or things are going to come up that I didn't know were going to come up because it's a very different. It's a, it's a very just way a different identity a, a different way of like south african apartheid and then what they decided to do absolutely. after absolutely
1: totally like right. totally different
0: mm-hmm. than the united states in the way that their descendants have Correct. have uh, kind of dealt with it so, so I,
1: I guess so the so short answer to your question i would there's there needs to be more room for dialogue and questioning and education period mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. blank right That we need to move away from the idea that this is what I need to teach you. Here's the prescription or the the kind of prescribed idea of what it is that I need you to learn and how I need you to spit it back to me. Mm -hmm. And give more um, room for the model where young people um, come into the space and can kind of go this is who we are and here and what do we know already what do we bring to the table Mm -hmm. so that we can start from there but then move into the other right because there's there are every room is different every group of people is different and therefore i would like to have um be able to prepare teachers educators for a space where you don't have to have you don't come in with the 15 minutes on this 20 minutes on this 15 minutes on this and we're going to close with this Mm -hmm. because there's no real room for what we're talking about. Absolutely. And now I I have to make sure, well, what books have I chosen? I'm choosing these three or four. And it's like, but if we give the the, the library a space where they can put in everything Mm -hmm. and then allow the students to choose, they want to talk about lizards or whatever it is. And then why is that? You know what I'm saying? Why is that
0: a problem? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, (laughs) completely get it. Um, completely get it.
1: lovely i just like froze <laughs> oh, good you, <laughs> um, you had a question though in here about graduate student programs talking about race and class mm-hmm. and what implications that might have on students of color mm-hmm. we didn't really hit on that and i don't even know mm. but i know that we don't talk about race or class got it um well i don't talk about i mean i talk about it as much as i can in my classroom got I it t- i teach in westchester county my most of my teachers will either teach in Pieces of Connecticut nearby, mm-hmm. Westchester County, New York, or urban spaces below uh, Westchester County. So therefore, um, I, I think it's imperative that we talk about race, we talk about class, we talk about difference. We talk about difference within um, uh, Black folks in general. Right. Mm-hmm. So I start um, by asking them, tell me, um, brave space, mm-hmm. shut the door, um, who do you think I am? Where do you think I'm from? What would you characterize me as? What boxes would you check off? Wow. And at first, Yeah. At first, you know, and now you already know I told you about Panama and that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. at first, you, it's quiet and they think I'm joking. And then some brave souls will be like, okay, African-American, da, da, da. I'm like, okay, it's great. And then when I give the whole kind of litany, they're like, oh, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Who knew? And, and, and I go, but see, that's what I mean by let's have that conversation. Um, let's not assume so begin your years, the first month of your school year, literally getting to know them. Not one survey that... Bringing flags of where their family represents. Wow. Yeah. Ask about the food that they have at home. What languages do they speak? But all of that. Because just because what you think you see doesn't mean that that's the lived experience at home, period. We have lots of young people who are adopted or who are raised by somebody else that you wouldn't have think it's just mom, dad. You've got this, that, and the third. Mm-hmm. You have people who... Um, who live in homes that you wouldn't have think thought that they did. you know? And I learned that because I had a class in Atlanta with an adjunct professor. The name of the class was Race and Education. Race and Class and Education? Something like that. And I took it like, ooh, yes, this is what you <laughs> need to take. You never know. And um, saw by a Caucasian professor and who I later found out got all of his data from data sets. Not like lived experiences, but data sets. And his data sets were, were mostly urban spaces. So to, to, to fa- the foundation of his work was urban meant minoritized, which meant black or brown. Hence, that was the experience, mm-hmm. which was weird because then you had myself and another young lady well, I think she was from Prince George's County and me from Westchester County who didn't know anything about this urban space that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to have a conversation with him that there's another lived experience that's not even, it's not even a small lived experience. Like we know people who vacation at Martha's Vineyard yeah. every summer. What are you talking about projects? Like there are people who <laughs> are black or, or brown who don't know what you're talking about. And we're not the small group that you're referring to as if we're the 0.2% like no that's not the majority of what are you talking about and so I say that to say that there was there's this idea that because you come in you look like this all these biases and things come into play but then you speak from that perspective rather than taking the time to go really let me find out who you really are like mm-hmm. for real I have to, and that takes time and it takes work and teachers don't feel like you have that kind of space and time going back to you. I have this map. I have this scope and sequence. I have these things to do. They told me I have to do it by one o'clock. Da, 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 da. You see where I'm going? Absolutely.
0: Okay. Absolutely.
1: And I think, mm-hmm. like,
0: in school, as at least in my experience, living in Westchester County, going to school as a black person in a predominantly white institution, um, I at first it didn't like I don't want to say it it didn't bother me or I didn't understand it because I was still in a place of like getting to know and understand myself and my time before going there I went to schools that were predominantly black when I was younger and I lived in places that were predominantly black and brown but I didn't understand what race was or what it meant or how it what the implications of it were and I think I college has given me the opportunity to kind of get that and to understand it and to like Look at, like, okay, the way that I grew up, my relationship with my mom, the things that, like, the things Mm -hmm. that I've had go on in my life, those all are why I think the way that I think. And so I've tried to learn how to not get so angry at people because I can only think this way because of what I've been through. But other people who are on the other side of my way of thinking only think that way because of what they've been through. And so I remember so many situations in high school with conversations about affirmative action or if my parents work hard, why should they have to pay for those people who don't? Mm-hmm. And for me, like getting angry, but then realizing that they have lived in this insular world their whole lives, Correct. how can they get it? Correct. How can the people <clears throat> who go to Scarsdale, whose school looks like Harvard, yes, like <laughs> mm-hmm. understand what it's like to go to, to Mount Vernon or then even further into the South Bronx sure. and things like Like, how can they fathom or understand that? And then they go to school where the only time they talk about black people are slavery, Martin Luther King. Maybe they'll throw Frederick Douglass in there, Sojourner Truth, sure. Harriet Tubman.
1: Maybe. Maybe.
0: Maybe. Sure. Maybe. Sure. Like, and then, like, the black kid in class, like, plays Sojourner Truth. That was me. Yes. Well,
1: yeah, most of us ended up being the, being the, the one, like Yeah, yeah. Whichever one it yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Sure. And then, like, or going into, t- like, you saying the thing about 29- being 2020, and we're really, like, it, it's only 2020, 2020, and that, like, because there hasn't been an astronomical shift in terms of what students learn in education, how people can go their whole lives thinking it's okay to have a slave auction and put black children in chains in class.
1: Sure.
0: As, like... sure. Like, the little girl I babysit literally was in that classroom. No,
1: see, but it, it's, a it, yeah, I don't, I don't, There there's a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. That, it, that goes with, it, even in this current political climate and, and what's going on, that I think the, the, the cauldron has been bubbling for a while, um, and I think that it, it kind of maybe placated a bit financially, because it, I think essentially part of the problem is this country was founded on a financial gain. Mm. That turned into a social norm. Mm-hmm. That once the, the 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 rule, quote unquote, was changed on paper, mm-hmm. it's hard to change social norms. Social Absolutely. norms? Absolutely. And so for those people who, and continue to fight, so that black people are not relegated to certain areas in the country who just want to have... Uh, and we're talking about education, so mm-hmm. let's just say I want to have a decent education for my child. That means I have to be in a certain zip code mm-hmm. because, unfortunately, this country doesn't prize education as a civil right for everyone. It is based on where you live. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, if that that's what we if that's the case, then you have this kind of dichotomy where the the, sub, the suburbs can't go any further. Let's just be real. <laughs> Right, because it, it was urban at one point, meaning all of the people who were subjugated, at this point black people, brown people, but there were certain people who are white at that point too, who mm-hmm. were relegated, right? to the ghettos sorry. and such. So the suburbs got became because there were those who had the economic well being to move further away. Mm. <clears throat> Their schools became the ones we just talked about, right? Where they had the means to provide what they wanted to for education purposes. Mm-hmm. Though those educational purposes really were still going through the hoops because they had something in which they could fall back on or go into, that's why the education looked the way that it did. We're talking about just education in this country. Mm-hmm. If that, right, I'm just going to speak globally, generally. But now we're getting to the point where there are, there. this country has gotten to the point where they I'm struggling because I don't want to use the word majority, minority. Is that what people say? Minority, majority, whatever the nonsense is. It's like we're creating these terms that don't even make any sense because, <laughs> right? I'm just saying because the people who you have kept down for so long are now outnumbering the, the folks who have been able to make it work socially because I won't say everything is... Is peaches and cream Mm -hmm. based on the social norms this country was built on. Mm -hmm. So now we've come to a a pass where the young people said, we don't understand what this issue is, has been because some people in my generation got quiet. We got complacent because we were able to we were able to benefit from the work that our parents and grandparents had done. We thought we, quote unquote, made it. Mm -hmm. We thought it was good. We were middle class, blah, blah, blah. But because of that fight, for some reason, I don't know, and I I blame it a lot on my generation, where we we got complacent. We knew there was a struggle, but we got complacent, thinking that everything was going to be okay because we're going to do what you told us to do. We're going to go to college. We're going to wait and have children. We're going to do it the way you told us to do. We're going to follow the educational path you told us to follow. And then we got here and was like, wait a minute, this is not what you told me it was going to be. But now we have children. Mm Mm-hmm. And we didn't really pay attention to the stories. We heard the stories, but we didn't pass them down with the the same fervor as the groups before. It's about education mm-hmm. because that's how you educate people—not just in school, but the education. We weren't telling those same stories. If to us, it was almost—and I, and I guess I'll just be from my own experience. I can't say everybody, right? But to me, it was it was a it was a that was then. Mm-hmm. I see how that helps me where I am. I come from kings and queens, and I get that. But I didn't then turn key it to the next generation. Yo, you, you come from kings and queens until I felt like, wait a minute, you going off on a path? Where you going on Where's all of this nonsense yeah. you are talking about? Let me explain to you. You come from kings and queens, but the the fervor is it, it's not As, the yeah. it's, it's not it dissipated a little mm-hmm. bit. So mm-hmm. now you have the younger people like yourself, which is a beautiful thing that are coming up going what were y'all doing <laughs> and why do y'all act like this and hold up why are these things you're asking the questions that some of us only had inside but not only did, you're not even asking you're moving forward in a way that it was like oh okay i didn't think about that oh good on you talking about education y'all are educating us now thinking about things differently Think. Putting things on the table that some of us were like, I mean, we we did a little bit in the room, in the table, you know, at a spades game, but we didn't really do it outside like y'all are doing, talking about education, mm-hmm. right? And it's crazy. And I commend everything about what you're doing, the movement you're trying to make, what, and, and I shouldn't even use the word try. It's not a try. The movement that you're doing, the, the waves that you're creating, such that we can think about things differently and, and put some action to it, because there's room for teeth, and what you're trying to do, hmm. and I think that we all can 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 help you move in that next direction. I'm sorry, we're just talking.
0: No, listen, that's what happens. You just start talking, and sorry, the people who are just listening are going to get some gems that they weren't otherwise so. going to get. I hope so. Um, so I had some other questions. But sure. I feel like we kind of touched on them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, this last one, Mm -hmm. we'll kind of go in this last one. So as an educator, as someone who's actually doing the work, what would you say to the people who are making the policies and deciding what the curriculums should be? And how would you kind of address the idea that we don't have the conversation often enough about how race and class implicates the education that students of color and black students specifically receive?
1: Um, some questions for policy Um, well, wow, that's tough. Okay. So
0: like if question... you had to, could just be like, listen, I need oh, you course. to, I need to put you on game. Well,
1: <laughs> you know, I think some of it, one of the questions would be, you know, I well, it wouldn't be a question. It would be a suggestion. The first thing I would say is I need you to read, revise, revamp how you consider the term curriculum. Mm. Because those of us in the field, even those in leadership, um, uh, agree that the term curriculum is loaded and it is not a, a, a like a, a a linear kind of this is the curriculum mm-hmm. for fourth grade. This is the curriculum for K through whatever. We realize that it is a web of all kinds of things and experiences. So I want those who are, if I could have a conversation with like New York regent, mm-hmm. I would say I want you to think about rethink, revise the term curriculum. And I want you to. Be okay with leaving that a little open and loose for those districts to align what they quote unquote want the curriculum to be. That's number one. Only because for those people, those students who are black that are in different parts of different different parts of this state, in general, mm-hmm. right, will need a different curriculum. They need different experiences. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you know we all don't need to know um, you know Native American and, and and those kinds of histories and our people histories, but at the same time. You need a different curriculum depending on where you... Education has to be different. Yeah. Okay. Questions that I would have for them is um, where are you getting your... your When you create this, this is where we're going to go next. Where are you getting that from? And how many uh, how many questions have you asked of the 25-year-out, 50-year-out before we make this choice? Hmm. If I, I find that this is my 20th year in education and we keep reinventing the wheel... And those that came before me told me the same thing. If you stay in long enough, you'll see these things over and over and over again. Some of the things are just salient, sound, good stuff. So why do we keep changing the stuff that we know is good? Uh-huh. And when I use the word good, meaning effective for education moves people forward, allows educators to go on in there and do what they need to do for their classrooms, allows leaders to lead in a way that moves the community and all that good stuff right so if we know that those things are there and they're good then why do we keep changing them when there's a whim for some other something Mm -hmm. and so that would be my question for them right like where are we going with this yeah um and 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 where is there room for education to go beyond this prescription prescriptive kind of um chalk and talk Mm -hmm. even when we know you're going i don't want it to be chalk and talk but you're telling them it has to be circles you're telling them it has to be groups you're telling them it has to be that then aren't we doing the same thing where is there room for for that and then another question i would have is where are the higher ed teacher prep programs in these conversations Mm -hmm. because it seems as though um the the teacher prep Programs where we are preparing the people to do what you're asking to do aren't the first ones on the table, uh-huh. not saying you have to be, but everyone, all the stakeholders need to be there and all the stakeholders from everywhere need to be there. And let's have those conversations. Is there room for a little bit more education as a state? Right. Right. So where where's the local kind of input uh-huh. as to what we can do and, and what we need? And then how do we make everybody move forward in, in whatever direction we're doing? But I have tons of those questions. Yeah. How many people of of color, forget just, how many people of color are at the table? Mm -hmm. How many women are at the table? Mm -hmm. How many young people, how many seasoned people are at the table? How many certified teachers are at the table? Yeah.
0: Even the idea that we don't listen or ask students what they want or what, as if it doesn't matter.
1: Just wondering. It's just a wondering. Mm -hmm. Those of us in the classroom know the more, I learn more from my students than I do from anything else. Point blank, period. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think that some, you know, and, and not to put the, the onus on policies and that kind of things, because I think we're all part of a system, and mm-hmm. system is, is moving, system has a life as its own, and it's hard to change a system. Um, however, I think there's some, some salient things we all can do um, to keep the things intact that help the system. Compulsory education helps keep kids in school who need it. Um, having um, education that is public and free is there for those who need it, just right. Um, it, I mean, but just.
0: Let's see, the boss, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> just Did you like, hear what important. Nikki Joseph said? It is
1: important. It is important. <laughs> um, uh, um, putting qualified teachers or educators in the classroom is is important and is needed. Putting qualified power professionals, teacher aides in the classroom is important and is needed. Um, putting a variety of resources in all of their libraries and media centers is needed mm-hmm. um, thinking about education for an inquiry based kind of idea is needed mm-hmm. having testing at the end of the year I'm not mad at that is needed um, however I, I also want to encourage um, all of our, our educators to keep to keep some of their instructional time to do what they know is best for their children mm-hmm. and their students mm-hmm. Um Teaching is hard. Teach- teaching is hard um, mentally, physically, psychologically. <laughs> um, I, would, I would implore some of our policymakers to, to work with teachers and unions and such to have more money on the table so that um, our educators can not have to worry about their own personal such and such and go in there mm-hmm. and do their jobs much like those who do other other kinds of service do for this country. Um, Yeah, I'm going to leave it at that
0: Mm -hmm. for now. And I think, like, all those questions, I'm going to need y'all to be answering them. Because you got to do something. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well we do we also, and of, you know, Yeah of course We do And, and I, I and my, I think Some of my te- My students My teachers Will tell you That I've often told them I, I'm not I hope you don't just come here You get this degree You go back to your classroom And you kind of just say That's it I want you to be an advocate mm-hmm. I want you to work Through the ranks I want you to go ahead And work for your unions Work for your leadership Work your way up It, it, it takes those of us Who know what The trenches look like To make our way up And, and to make some Of these policies Don't be the ones On the bottom Complaining move forward if you have those that skill set if you have that passion to do something you can do it at a grade level you can do it in your classroom you can do it at a community level but let's let's not just be noise makers for the sake of making noise mm-hmm. let's be change makers let's be the change you want to see yes so that we all can continue to move in a way that helps everyone build teamwork makes the dream work it's a mantra of mine mm-hmm. be the change you want to be or you want to see so that we're all doing what we need to do and it's hard work um but it's worth it it's worth it in the end especially for our black students it's worth it yes because only we can help each other that i think that's it i mean what else has to be said
0: and so kind of just to to, listen i mean if these mics weren't that expensive i would let you drop it (laughs) (laughs) um and so kind of just to round it out do you have any questions comments suggestions anything that you want to say to black on black education
1: no, I do want to just say that keep. I hope your listeners keep fighting a good fight. I hope we all um, continue the conversation. I'm just happy and honored to have had an opportunity to sit here and converse with you, because they don't know but we've been doing this for longer than the mics have been mm-hmm. on. So, I am, um, and, and just I feel like it's been a blessing to just have this kind of conversation, this dialogue, things to think about. Um, I I would hope that whoever is on the other end of this. Um, continues to move forward in whatever direction their their passion is leading them to um let's all be productive let's all be constructive Mm. um and let's add to the let's add to the talk you know not saying that anybody is one way or 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 not but we all all voices need to be heard in order for us to make a change and so let me know how i can help is what i'd say that's all i got
0: Thank you, thank, thank you, you, thank you, thank you. Y'all heard this. I'm telling you, like, this was, if we're trying to fix it, like, just listen to this. Do what Nikki Joseph said, and then we'll, like, everything will be great.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it won't, it won't, I'm just saying. We're just little, little things in there. Let me know how I can help. That's of all I'm course. saying. Of course.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh,